All right. Preach the word. That's what they want. And if that's what you guys want, that's what we'll do. We'll preach the word. Just before we do, I'm going to just three really quick things and why it's trying to help me make sure I'm not just saying stuff. And I appreciate that. These are three, I think, things that really matter. And, and one of them is this. Uh, I'm, this morning, I'm, I'm, I love to sing. It's one of my favorite things. You guys that know me know that. And so I get, every now and then I get to help the worship team out. And I'm glad to do that. But I want you to know, Brian works really hard. This worship team works really hard. I'm really thankful for them. But I want you to know, they, they need some more help. Some of you in here are good singers, but you've been sitting on the couch. So get last week's lesson, and then uh, think about maybe coming and, uh, and, and hanging out with this singing group a little bit. They, it's an open group. Anybody can come that wants to. There's no tryout. You can just come on a Wednesday night or talk to Brian, and he'll get you involved. And so I really hope some of you will... Step up to the plate and do that. Another thing I just want to say is uh, that Caitlin Bovary is back in Rudoso, and Caitlin graduated from ENMU on uh, Thursday afternoon, and I had the great privilege, along with several others from Gateway, of getting to go to her graduation. I told her that I just felt like I, my chest was going to burst with pride for her and what she did. Would you guys congratulate her? Yeah. Job. And I also wanted to say just something about uh, Miss Heather Walls. Is Heather here today? Do you know if she's here, Betty? Is Heather here? Is, is Heather Walls here? Heather Passage? She's not here. Okay. This, this was supposed to be her last Sunday, I think, to be here. She's going to be moving to uh, Hobbs and being there with her husband. And I hope you guys will be praying for Heather Walls. Uh, that's used to be Heather Passage. And uh, keep her in your prayers. My family and I pray for us this week. We're leaving this afternoon to go on vacation. And we are going to Colorado. My cousin is getting married. He's 40 years old and he's never been married before. And he asked me to do his wedding. And uh, I thought that was a pretty neat honor. And so we're going to just make a vacation out of it. And I'm telling you that. You don't care. You're like, who cares, John? That's about you. We don't care. Well, I'm telling you that for this reason. Because your gifts that many of you gave us on that 20th anniversary surprise party you gave us is one of the ways we're being able to go on this vacation so i'm saying thank you to you thank you very very much that's a huge blessing and uh we love you and we love getting away from you for a week it's going to be awesome man we can't wait so now we're going to preach the word and uh, next week by the way we'll continue this series and you're get you're in for a treat our youth minister j.e bundy is going to be preaching for us and he is uh, just a delight to work with he's a blessing already to our teens and our parents and he's going to be to our whole church and he and megan and the kids and so we'll look forward to hearing from je next week i want you to think about your heart some of you are saying well i just been to the doctor and i've been thinking about my heart a lot you know no kidding but i'm not really i'm not really talking about your physical heart i'm talking about that center of ourselves that we call the heart it's that place that we discover really early in our life. We discover it when, when our heart is filled up with pride when we get an A at school. Or, or when we got an award when we were in grade school. Or when you caught the fly ball in right field. And our heart kind of, we discover it. Wow, my heart feels good. And we feel it break when someone made fun of us on the playground. Or when they played a mean trick on us when we were children. We just begin to discover that young, Right? And then we felt overwhelmed with this heart of ours when we had our first crush 
Oh my goodness, I didn't know this heart could do this. Wow. You know, it's just going crazy because I'm in love, you know, with this person. And then when that person said, John, I just want to be friends, you know, they ripped my heart out, threw it on the ground, stomped on it. Oh, sorry, I forgot. You guys were here for a minute. Maybe you've had the same experience, you know, where we, that heart of ours that, that just got crushed. And then we sang with Brett Michaels, you know, every rose has its thorn, you know, at the top of our lungs in our car, you know. Some of you don't know who Brett Michaels is. So we sang, what I mean is we sang with Hank Williams Jr., your cheating heart, you know, whatever it was that you sang in the car because our heart was just ripped out. You know this place I'm talking about. We all have physical hearts, but we also have emotional or a spiritual place. And both need to be healthy because if they're not, it causes all kinds of problems in our life. That's why Jesus says in Luke 6, he says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. You see those words that you didn't mean to say, those hurtful comments or just that sarcastic slap across the face, the subtle insinuation, or just the explosion of anger and cursing that came out of your mouth. And you say, well, it was an accident. I didn't really mean it. It's not, you know, it's not really me. No, actually it is. It came from your heart. That's where it came from. We're in this study about sins. And and our goal, really, to be honest with you, is not to identify something out there and then put a fence around it and keep ourselves safe from that thing over there that's sinful. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what they tried to do. It just didn't work is the problem. But our goal instead is to look at our hearts and ask, God, why is this in here? Why is it here, God? And then to to take our heart and to bring it to God and ask Him, would you please heal this? You, please do this work inside of me because if He heals our heart, we won't need any fences. We'll be able to live authentic, full lives, embracing all these good gifts that He gives. Envy is the study today. Here on on this banner, it says resentment. It's, It's hard to kind of find a word that you know, maybe coveting or, or jealousy. And I think a lot of times maybe we think it's really sort of not that big of a deal, probably. I like the story about the man who was in a mall and he approached this young, very attractive woman and he walked up to her and he said, excuse me, I've lost my wife somewhere in the mall and I just can't find her. Could you please talk to me for a couple of minutes? And she said, well, why would I do that? And he said, because every time I talk to another woman, she appears immediately. It's just, it's just jealousy or envy. It's kind of cute. You know, it's, I mean, it's what lovers do, right? We kind of feel that way. It's not that big of a deal. Or, or then again, maybe it's deadly. We're going to study from the book of James. So if you want to turn there, I'll pray while you turn your Bibles. God, we just want to look at your word today. And we want desperately, Lord, to let you do the work in our hearts. You, the great physician... You, the one who can cut between soul and spirit. You, the one who can change hearts. You, the one who can make us new. We invite you today. Do your best work among us in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you to teach today. 
In spite of all my weaknesses, please may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable into your sight. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. James 3, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by good deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about that or deny the truth of it. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and listen to these words, of the devil. Wow. That's pretty serious. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. This just shocks me because I think of envy as kind of sort of a little deal, not that big of a deal. But if you're in the ring, if you're in the boxing ring with this particular opponent, you can expect disorder and every evil practice to be close behind. And why is that? Well, because it's from the devil. It's a serious, serious problem that we need to be honest about and face. Think about some of the examples in Scripture. If you want to turn to Genesis, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in Genesis chapter 4 this morning. Genesis 4. Verses 1 through 5. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cable... <laughs> Cable. <laughs> I wish I would have meant to say that. That was pretty funny. I just messed up. Okay. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil... As an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. There's been so many people who've taught lessons and written books. And all kind of things about, about why... Abel's sacrifice was more acceptable than Cain's. And you've heard some of those before. That Abel brought the best, the fat portions, the first. That, that, uh, that maybe that Cain didn't really care to try very hard. He just gathered up a little stuff and brought it. But here's the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. Why was God more accepting of Abel's sacrifice than Cain's? Here's the right answer from the Bible. We don't know. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It's not there. You can make up anything you want. You can guess. That's fine. I guess about things in the Bible all the time, trying to figure stuff out. That's great. But it is not there. We don't know why. We don't know why God was more accepting. And I think one of the reasons we really want to talk about that, we want to identify what's the thing. What was it that he did and he didn't do? Let's talk about that thing. Because we are really a lot like the Pharisees. We want to identify something, a thing over there that we can put a fence around and say that thing over there we have to stay away from. See, that's what Cain did right over there. And we've got to stay away from that. We've got to be like Abel. 
But the Bible doesn't tell us that. As a matter of fact, God doesn't seem very interested, as the story goes on, in that particular point. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? God doesn't confront his sacrifice. He doesn't say, hey, why didn't you bring me the right kind of sacrifice? Now look, this is the kind of sacrifice you're supposed to bring. Why didn't you do that? He doesn't address the sacrifice at all. He mentions nothing about it. What he does mention is Cain's mood. What he does mention is Cain's heart. And it's one of envy. And that isn't something that's out there. That's something that's inside here. Let's go on. Genesis 4, 7. If you do what is right, you will not be, or you will, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. He says this mood that you have, this bent toward being envious, this wanting that you have is going to lead somewhere and it's not going to be good where it leads to. But, he says, you can rule over it. You don't have to be controlled by it. Now, the only problem with that, that's great that God said that. I'm thankful he said that. But the only problem with that is that Cain failed. And last time I checked, so did every other human being since Cain. We all failed. God says, sin's crouching at the door, but you can rule over it. But every single one of us has messed it up. And that's why we're going to each week make sure we talk in this series about sin. We're going to mention the gospel. The gospel is this, that Jesus died for those sins. The fact that we've failed. And he gave us forgiveness. He gave us, he said, I want to give you a gift. And it is eternal life. I want you to live forever. That's what I want to give you. That's the good news. And yet here we are with Paul, just like he said in Romans 7. At the end of Romans 7, I don't, I don't do the things I want to do. And I do the things I don't want to do. What a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this body of death? In Romans 8, if you, if you look in your Bibles there, Romans 8, verse 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's who will rescue us. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, that's something out there. The law, it's out there. It's like these fences, these rules. It was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. God is, God is wanting you and I to, to live from the inside, not with this thing of saying, I got some rules over there and I got to do what's on the outside. He wants us right here on the inside, living through the Holy Spirit. Now, we're still with Paul. We still got this struggle of sin, but we've got some extra power that Cain didn't have called the Holy Spirit. Thank God. We've got some extra power. And that sets us free, he says. We can be set free. Free from what? From death? Yes, from, from being thrown into hell. Yes, we could be set free from that. But even more, we can be set free from the bondage of sin. The bondage, those bars. We have the power that Cain did not have. God's spirit living in us, helping us with this fight against sin. Back in Genesis chapter 4, verse 8, 
Now Cain said to his brother, Abel, hey, let's go out to the field. And while, we're in the, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and he killed him. Cain doesn't say, hey, Abel, let's go get some of your flocks so that I can make a better sacrifice. I want your stuff so that I'll be accepted by God. I want, I want to get your stuff. He doesn't say that. He doesn't just want what he has. He wants the acceptance that Cain is getting. And he wants Abel, listen to me close, to be lower than him in the dirt. And that is what envy does. It leads us to desire and leads us to actions of destroying other people. That's why envy is dangerous. That's why it's deadly. One person said, envy and violence hold hands. Think about the other biblical stories. It surprised me as I studied for these lessons how many stories, these are just a few of them, there are many more that have envy at the core. Sarah and Hagar. Sarah finally has the child of promise. And she's like, get this woman out of here. And she abuses, the text says she abuses Hagar and kicks her out of the house and they send her far away into exile. Jacob and Esau. Jacob steals from his brother because he wants something that he's got. Steals, he tricks his father. And because of fear of violence, he runs away into exile. Joseph and his brothers. Joseph is the favored son. And, his, and he's kind of a dumb guy too. He tells his brothers, you know, no, 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 no. I mean, that's just a, not smart. You know, don't do that. I, some, some adults keep doing that. I don't understand that. Why, why do we do that? But don't. Just stop. Stop doing that. Because if you, if you do that, you'll get thrown in a well. All right? And that's a bad thing. That's what they did. They said, we're going to violence. We're going to kill this guy. We're going to kill our brother. And it led to him being exiled for the rest of his life. Solomon. I'm sorry. Saul and David. Saul was so jealous, so envious because David was more popular. Uh, popular than him he threw spears at him twice tried to kill him and then he chased him for a decade or more of, of their life violence and exile running away solomon you remember the two women remember that deal they two women they both had babies and one of them smothered or the, the baby died in the night and so she she was said hey i'm envious i want what that other mom has so she takes it and she switches babies and then the mother wakes up and she knows this ain't my baby and so they go, they go to Solomon, and Solomon says, well, I'll tell you what, let's just, let's just cut that baby in half, and we'll give you each half. And the mother who had stolen the baby, who has envy in her heart, she says, that'll work. Because if I can't have a baby, I don't want her to have one either. Violence and exile. I heard a story about two people that lived in a kingdom. One was greedy, very greedy. The other one was very envious and they were always at odds with each other because the greedy person was always finding ways to get more and the envious person was always mad at him and and it just became a big problem in the kingdom and the king called him in and he just did this he said to the envious person he said i will give you anything you want i'll give you anything your heart desires and the man thought about it for a while and he came back but the, before he said, he said, but I'm going to give your, your arch nemesis over here, your enemy, I'm going to give him twice what I give you. 
can have anything your heart desires. And after thinking about it for quite a while, the man came back and he said, I, I, more than anything else in the world, I want you to gouge out one of my eyes. I don't know if that's a true story or not, but I know it's a true story. Because that's what envy does to people. That's what envy does to us. And if you get in the boxing ring with envy, it's going to lead to two places. It's going to lead to violence and it's going to lead to isolation. And both of these places are from the devil. A lot of times we associate the words envy and jealousy. They're a little different. Jealousy is, is that it's sort of like you have an object and I want the object. Give me the object that you have or I want to get an object like that. But envy says more. Envy says more. Envy says I want to have what you have and I don't want you to have it. Two very poor men struggling to make it. Barely feeding their families. The, the one man he saw that his neighbor got a brand new cow. And he cried out to God over and over, I can't stand it, Lord, I can't handle it. I'm begging you, God, please deliver me, I can't handle it. And the Lord came to him and said, what is it you want? You want the cow? And he said, yes, Lord, please kill the cow. That's what envy does. I don't want that other person to have what they have. It's wanting a quality that another person has. It's not always stuff. That person has a quality or some esteem or something, and I want that. And I want the other person to fail. Most of us really will not admit that we're envious. We just won't. We won't even allow it. We just will deny it. But I would, I would guess that at least there are seasons in our lives that this is a universal struggle. When I was in mid-school, there was a guy that went to our school, and he, I mean, I mean, when I was in mid-school, I shaved uh, once. And, um, and this guy, this guy, when he was in mid-school, he shaved every day, okay? And he had a five, five o'clock, you know, shadow by, uh, by five o'clock, I guess, or whatever. So he, uh, and, and he was, he was athletic, you know, he was ripped. You know, if you remember in junior high, uh, you know, we used to have to go into gym class and you have to change clothes, you know, in there and take a shower and all that. I think nowadays, I don't even know if they do that anymore. You know, I don't know for sure. Anyways, I, I'm not going to get into that. Let's not, let's not go there. Let's just stay with my story. Okay, and so I, I'm in the shower, you know, and I mean, this guy, I mean, I'm embarrassed, okay? I'm a little mid-school kid. I'm embarrassed of who I am, what I look like, and all that awkward stuff. And this guy, you know, he just walks in and takes off his towel and, you know, walks into the shower, you know, and, uh, you know, and all this stuff. And, oh, I, oh, you know what I mean? You know? You know what I'm saying, kind of? I mean, when we got in high school, the guy had, like, the coolest car. You know, he was athletic. He was, like, the quarterback of the football team. And, you know, he had, like, three girlfriends. And everybody's like, yes, that's awesome. You should have three girlfriends, you know, because that's who you are, you know? And so it was just, I, I, and, and, you know, I, I, had, I had three girlfriends, you know, like, in my whole life. And so it was just, it was like, man. And I, I can't tell you that I, other than when I was at school and around that guy, I didn't really think about him a whole lot. But recently, through the miracle of Facebook, I saw this man again. And he, and he didn't look so good anymore. He, his, 
You know, he, he was, he just didn't look healthy. All his hair was gone. Sorry for you guys that your hair gone. I don't mean to say you don't look healthy, but he, it didn't look good on him. Let me just say it that way. You know, and, and he had that furniture disease, you know, his chest fell in his drawers, you know, and all that stuff. And, and I mean, and I saw that and it didn't, I kind of looked through some stuff on Facebook and I saw some stuff going on, you know, it didn't look like really his life was all that great. And I got to be honest and say, there's just this little part of me that was like, Yes! That's just, that's envy. That's really ugly. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's really, it's really not. Because these things coming out of our heart, they, you know, I'm not, I mean, they, I said they lead to violence and, and they, you know, I'm not going to go beat that guy up or something now, you know, it's not like that. But, but they can lead really, I think, to isolation more than anything. Because they lead to a dangerous, dangerous place. Envy leads us to this place where we live in this fantasy world that my life could have been like this. Oh, and we're discontent. And we usually think it's about some other person. We're around some other friend and we see their spouse and we're like, man, you know, wow, their spouse is amazing. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I could have had that. Or, or we're around kids, you know, and, and it's like their kid like made a perfect score on the, what is it, the SAT or the ACT? Which one can you make a perfect score on? SAT, whatever. Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. What did you say, Wyatt? That's probably funnier. Oh, you can't make a perfect score on either one. Yeah, that's right. N- nobody I know can. But then, you know, you know kids that like they're, they're always, you know, they're, their kids are always it, you know, and and it's like, oh, you know, man, if I would have done this or whatever, you know, our, our kids could have been more this way or that way. Or why does that guy get that job? I could do that job. What are they thinking hiring that guy? I know how that guy works. I used to work with him. I could have had that job. Or, or, you know, ladies, I mean, it's like, wow, that, you know, why, why does, you know, why did God give her those legs? Okay, why? Why did God have to give her those, you know, why, why didn't I get that? I used to have legs like that. Why don't I have, or guys, whatever, you know, we're like, oh, you know, why can't I do what I used to be able to do? Or that guy can do more than me or, or even our stuff. Have you ever just, you know, we go to somebody's house and then you're like, oh, man, how did they get this house? How did they get this car? Now, I, I will say that occasionally it might lead to motivation to improve something in our life. And that could be okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with if I decide, you know what, I'm going to be a better husband or I'm going to be a better dad like those that family over there. I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to take better care of my body or I'm going to go back to school and improve my skills. Those are all fine. Those are all good things. But what matters is not those outward things. It's what's going on inside here. This fantasy that can happen about wanting something different than the things I have right now. And there's a couple of things going on in our hearts when that happens. You think the problem is with those other people out there. But your problem is not with a person. Your problem is with God. If you feel envious, your problem is with God. That wasn't fair, God. You didn't deal me a fair hand. I like the story of this little girl. She was getting $2 for every tooth from the tooth fairy. Okay, and she was pumped up. She was excited. Six years old. She's like two bucks. She's adding her teeth up, you know, and figuring out how much money she's going to get, trying to get them out early. You know, two dollars per tooth until she goes to her friend's house. She visits over to her friend's house and she's so excited and tells her and her friend at over to her house says, well, at my house, she said, I get ten dollars per tooth. And now all of a sudden 
that $2 isn't so awesome anymore for that little girl. And she's, the story goes that she says to that little girl's mom, would you please call my mom and tell her which tooth fairy service you use? Because <laughs> I'd like to change from $2 to $10. See, she was happy. Things were great until all of a sudden something slid in there and now she, she has this problem with her mom. You're not fair. You're not being fair to me. And a lot of times I think that's how we feel with God. We look over there at them and we go, that's not fair. How did they get all that? God, come on. You're not being fair. But I'll tell you this, we don't want fair. If we were to, if we were to make fair distributed all over the whole earth right now, all of us would take many steps down, 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 very fast. None of us, truth be told, want things to be fair. I'll tell you what we want. We want more. That's what we want. More. My family was great until I met that family. Now I want more. I was enjoying my house. Have you ever had that experience? I, I've, had, I've actually had this experience in the last several years. My house. I love my house. I love my home. I love having people over and I love just being there. And one, we went over to somebody's house and I was looking at their cabinets. I opened the cabinets. I was like, man, look at those hinges, you know. Wow. I'm not happy with my house anymore, you know. I need those hinges right there. Because we want more. Jesus told that parable in Matthew 20 about the workers in the vineyard. And here they go. They go off early in the morning and they're going to work all day for one day's wage. And then he keeps hiring them all day. And then he starts paying them with the ones that were hired at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And he pays them first. And he pays them a day's wages. And so in chapter 20, verse 10, Jesus says, So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. And boy, that phrase from the Bible, has to be one of the greatest problems in our life. They expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a day's wages. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men, they were hired the only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us. See, that's the deal. I don't want to be equal with them. I deserve to be above them. You've made us equal to them who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair. I am not being unfair. Didn't you agree to work for one day's wages? And then listen to what he says. Take your pay and go. Now that's not just like, look, here's your paycheck, deal with it. He's saying, Go. Now, this isn't in the text, but I'm imagining we're going to have some dinner. We're hanging around. We got community. But you, envious person, take what is yours and go into isolation. Go away by yourself. The landowner says, I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous. See, we're glad we have a generous God. Yay! God is good. God is generous. Yes! Until all of a sudden, somebody else is the one getting it, and I'm not. Hold on just a second, God. So, quickly as we finish, three counterpunches. We're going to be in the ring, and we're going to be in there with envy some seasons in our life. We've got to have a few counterpunches, because First Timothy, up here, our main scripture, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, says, We want to fight the good fight. 
We want to be a part of this. And so the first counterpunch is this. Get on the path of contentment. This is how Paul said it in Philippians 4. I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul said I had to learn something. I had to learn to be content. Nobody comes out of the womb content. Nobody's born again and they're just content, okay? Paul says you've got to learn. You've got to learn the secret of being content. It's in Christ. And it's also in your pew. Pull out that card that you wrote on. Everybody pull it out look at it again. You've written down ten things that you're thankful for right now, today, right this minute in your life. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. We sing this song, Count Your Blessings. But most of us, my experience is, including myself, most of us don't count our blessings. We complain about what we don't have instead of counting our blessings. And this, this card that you're holding is the gate that you must walk through in order to walk on the road of contentment. You've got to walk through thankfulness to be content. Because envy, if it's unchecked, it will keep us from enjoying these amazing gifts. I have to tell you, I've been incredibly encouraged by some people at our church. I went on, uh, I went on Friday morning, and I just spent a little bit of time with Jerry and Pat Holder. And I didn't ask him if I could tell him that, but tell you guys that, but I'm not going to say anything that's uh, private or anything. But Jerry, you guys all know, we're praying for him. He's struggling with cancer. And, he, and he's so up and so full of thanks and so living his life, I almost forget. And that's what I told him. I went to apologize and just say, I'm sorry, Jerry. Sometimes I forget you're struggling with cancer. And Pat said, we just decided when this started, we're going to take one day and we're going to take it as a gift from God. And we're going to live that day to the full. And that's how we're living our life. And the two of you have encouraged me. And so has Nancy Bowers. And so is John Kiker. And so is Bill Woolley. And so is Janice Polk. And others of you, I probably am forgetting somebody at this moment while I'm standing here and under pressure. But I'm just saying, those of you who are sick and are dealing with physical problems. And you continue to live each day with thanksgiving. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being the example for me. Get on the path of contentment. The second thing we've got to do as a counterpunch is we've got to confess two things. James chapter 4 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and He'll lift you up. And confession always humbles us. And here's the two things I want to encourage you this week. As you talk to the Lord, I want to encourage you to confess these two things to Him. Maybe you need to find a brother or sister to confess them to, but especially to the Lord. Confess this verse, that your problem is with Him. Confess it. God, I got a problem. I don't like the hand you dealt me. I don't like this. He's big enough to handle that. I know he's big enough. I have biblical proof because the whole book of Psalms, 150 chapters, almost all of it is doing that. Here's the second thing we need to confess is our unhealthy desire for more. For more. 
Hebrews 13, 5 says, be content with what you have now. My sister-in-law, Tammy, is practicing this by choosing each month. She's, and I don't remember how many she's doing. I don't remember the number, but let's use the number 10. may have been less than that. She's choosing 10 items of clothes for one month, and that's all she wears for one month. She just washes them, you know, because we have running water and washing machines, hot water, soap, lots of money to go get these things cleaned. And so she's doing, she's got 10 pieces of clothing and she's doing this purposely as a discipline to not want more. The next month she chose 10 items of food and those are the only 10 items of food she ate for one month. I haven't tried this yet and I think she's crazy, okay? Uh, But I'm a little inspired by this. I'm thinking about the possibility of maybe doing this experiment in my life. Maybe that will be something that will be timely for somebody here. Last thing. So we want to get on the path of contentment. Confess those two things. And then here's the last one. Celebrate good in other people's lives. Romans chapter 12 verse 15 tells us rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. It doesn't say rejoice with those who rejoice who have less than you. Or rejoice with those who rejoice who are your friends. It says rejoice with those who rejoice. So when I was in college, one of the guys that was a friend of mine there, and I've lost touch with him since then, but he came from a wealthy family, and he drove to school uh, after the break or something like that, and he had a brand new car, and I mean, it was the car that everybody wanted. And, And he showed it to me, and I was just like, I was so excited for him. Now, I didn't have a, I had an old car from the 60s, all right? And uh, it got nicknamed by my family, The Vomit, but that's another story. So anyways, um, so this is, this is my car, The Vomit, over here, and here's his brand new car. And I really was excited with him. I really was inside my heart. I was like, this is awesome. This is so cool. And I didn't think a whole lot about it. And I'll tell you the reason I didn't think a whole lot about it, because I have a mother. And all of my life, my mom has modeled for me contentment, mourning with those who mourn, and rejoicing with those who rejoice. Anytime my dad go off and go hunting somewhere, my mom would rejoice with him. I don't, maybe that says something, you know, get out of the house. I don't know, you know, I'm not sure. But she would rejoice. Oh, I'm so glad you're getting this. You deserve to do this. You work so hard. That's great. How did it go? Tell me about it. Show me the pictures. Oh, I want to hear the stories. Instead of, okay, I'm glad you're back. You know, let's get to work. I've been taking care of the kids. I mean, she just has this heart that rejoices with people who rejoice, no matter what's going on in her life. And she never told me to do that. She never told me to rejoice with my friend at college. She just showed it to me. My friend at college said, you're the first person who's been happy with me about my car. Everybody else says, oh, I guess it must be nice. Oh, well, I wish I, you know, whatever, and made him feel like a jerk. Rejoice with those that rejoice. He was blessed by that because I did that, but I'm the one who got the bigger blessing because I am not storing up envy in my heart. So these counterpunches, I believe they'll help us. They'll help us to take our hearts and look and see why. Why am I doing this, God? And bring our hearts to God, offer our hearts up to him, and give him access so that he can heal us from this deadly sin of envy. If you need prayer today, 
if you're in a season of envy and you're like, man, that I can't believe, I can't believe we're talking about this today. Or if this is something you live in, you live in envy, you're literally green with envy. Don't go away today and stay the same. There's some shepherds, shepherds and some of their wives are going to be here to pray in the front and the back. You come find one of them and we'll take a few steps toward the Lord. Let's stand and let's sing. Lord, I offer my